How you guys doing? We're going to try that again. How you guys doing? John just stared me down like no one's telling me what to do. That's good to see you guys. Uh, welcome to the Remnant. I said that, so I won't say my name again. Hey, you know what? I want you guys to know something. I love Jesus. I do. And I hesitate to say that sometimes because I don't hesitate to say it. But when I say that, you tend to, yeah, I know, right? That's my job. I'm supposed to, right? I'm supposed to. And guys, if you're a guy, sometimes that feels weird, right? I love Jesus. You know, it feels weird. But I do. I love Jesus. And it's not just words, and I'm not just saying it to you because I want you to think I'm a good pastor because you'll soon find out I'm not. Um, I don't want, I'm not saying it to you because any other reason other than it's true. I love Jesus. And I could tell you why in a hundred ways. I really could. But it's always stuck out to me how he references himself. This is something that's always stuck out to me. And, he, and it goes back to what God said himself, right, in the burning bush. Who are you? Jesus says, I am. And we lose some of the meaning into that. You know, a lot of times you'll read that and you go, what was he talking about? He's not finished his sentence. Where's the other word, right? I am Jesus. No, no, I am. And essentially what he was saying is everything you think is possible, everything you've ever wanted, every need that's ever needed met, Lord, God, King, all of those things, I am. Oof. I'm all of that. I am everything. He is everything. He is my hope. He is my confidence. He is my grace. He is my strength. He is my Lord. He is my God. He is my Savior. He is the hope. Whether you believe it or not right now, I pray that you come to believe this and understand the truth that He is the hope of this broken and hurting world. He is the hope. He says He's the light, right? The living water. But another word comes to mind. Everyone's mind, including yours, if, especially if you grew up in the church. Even if not, when you think of Jesus, what's the other word that comes to mind? Christ? <laughs> yeah, that's one. What else? Jesus what? Jesus is what? God, that's good. Okay, how about this? God is love, right? We always want to love. Everybody wants to love. God is love. You guys got too complicated, started thinking of the deep words, right? Yeah, and, and you know, any church you go to, there's not a church in this world um, that calls themselves a Christian church that would not talk about the love of God, that would not talk about the love of Jesus. And if you're a Christian, you say it every day. You love people, right? You're committed to two things. You want to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. You want to love others as yourself. That's good. Love. God is love. Jesus is love. I respect Jesus because he's God. I obey him because he's Lord, but I love him because he first loved me. I see in him the personification, that's a good word, isn't it, of the word love. He is love, made flesh. In his life, I see everything the word love means and everything beautiful about it. And I see in him the ways my heart longs to be loved, with grace and understanding and mercy and truth. I want the truth. But I also see in him the ways my heart longs to love, with love with grace and understanding and mercy and truth. I want to do that. And if you say you're a follower of Jesus, you should, you should too. I'm going to pause here for a second because um, I like to pick on you long-term Christians because you forget where you came from. You do. And it's a blessing, right? You were always raised in your father's house, so you, you take it for granted. But I want you to understand that if we naturally, just because we were Jesus, or we are followers of Christ, understood the concept of love, you wouldn't have to say it so many times. 
You wouldn't have to say it so many times. So the fact that some of you right here today, I'm not calling you out. If it is, it's Holy Spirit. It's zoned out thinking about this. I've heard this before. It's because that's the problem. That's the problem. It's a constant truth that we need to live in. In Jesus, I see a fierce love. I thought of this term a long time ago. Um, I'm sure I didn't coin it, but for me, um, I actually wrote this to describe a, a lady much older than me, grandmother age, who just loved me real well, and I was just kind of defending me at a time when a lot of people were attacking me, um, and not related to me, but she just kept loving me. She had everything to lose, nothing to gain, okay? Social status, she's way up here. If I told you her name, you'd know who she is. you know who her husband is. she got money, lots of it, okay? Lots of it. We're talking million. We're, lots of money. I am a hobo, right? <laughs> like, I got nothing to offer her. And when I, I wrote, it's a long story, but I wrote an email giving some thanks to people, and I had to send it. It's crazy. It doesn't matter. And I said that she loved me fiercely, and I think she was like, thought I was saying she was, in she was in love with me, so she was confused, and I had to define it for her. What I really mean by that is, and I don't want you to think that, fierce love is the type of love that doesn't stop, right? It loves without caring what other people think. Right? It loves when you don't feel like it. When he, if it loves when you're not loved in return. That takes a fierce love. That takes strength to do that. If you're married, you know what I mean. Sometimes it's like pushing against the wall to love your spouse. But that's love when you keep doing it. At that point, you see, fierce love is an action. In Jesus, I see a weighty love. I'm a words guy. Weighty. Not weighed in water, but weight is in heavy. It carries weight. What do I mean by that? When Jesus loves someone, and even to this day, when he loves someone, something changes. Okay? If I drop 100 pounds on this, you're going to know I dropped 100 pounds on this. right? You're going to hear a thud. The, 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 the environment's changing. Probably a hole in here. You're going to hear it. It's going to make a sound. It's going to do something. If I say, I'm going to drop 100 pounds, nothing. Nothing changes. But if I drop 100 pounds here, you're going to know it. That's the kind of love Jesus did. When Jesus loved, it came with weight. It changes the direct traje trajectory of those that he ran into contact with. Go read the Gospels. Every single person he loved, something changed. We don't see in Jesus somebody that says, hey, I know you're struggling. Pray for you. Walk on. He met needs. He supplied his love supplied. What do I mean by that? It depended on the situation, didn't it? To the leper, he supplied a touch and love and healing. To the thirsty, he gave a drink, right? To the unseen, he made seen. In the life of Jesus, love is not shown as a word, but as an action. It's a moving, transforming, fierce love. I'm serious. It changed things when he loved people. Jesus saw the unseen. Well, who's the unseen? If you've been unseen, you know what I'm talking about. The time in your life when you felt like no one saw you, he sees you. I'm not talking about the, just the scene, right? You know what I mean by that. It's the difference between walking by a homeless person and knowing they're there in your peripheral and seeing that's a human being. He touched the untouchable. And what do I mean by that? You know, a leper, we don't, we don't have that today, but we have lepers in society. People with a bad reputation, right? Maybe sometimes they're sick. Maybe they're poor. You don't want to be associated with them. 
I won't go where they go, but I'll see if I can drag them to where I am on Sundays for two hours. He loved the unlovable. (laughs) I'm very unlovable, and I'm very thankful for that. He loved the unlovable. The people that the world said, nah, we're done with them. He never did. He never did that. Rich, poor, sick, outcast, unpopular, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. His love spurred him to action. His love moved from a word to an action. It did something. There's a song I'm going to show. I like the rap music. All right. Andy Minio. Ever heard of him? Christian rapper, in case some of you are concerned. Yeah, yeah. Andy Minio. He, uh, <laughs> I'm the worst. Um, he has a song called Wild Things. And then he makes the statement. The whole song is really about how he's going to go to the people that you say he shouldn't go to. Because awesome song. But there's a line in it that always spoke. He said, talk like Jesus, everybody loves me. Walk like Jesus, Jesus they want to judge me. Ain't it funny? And I used to think, you know, that's me, man. I'm doing that. I'm walking like Jesus. They're just talking to me. But that's not true. That's a lie. I'm not walking like Jesus. I don't live my life walking like Jesus because walking like Jesus would mean loving like Jesus. And I don't do that. I don't do that every day. Sometimes I don't see people when I should. And many times I see a need. How many times in my life have I walked by with the capability to meet a need and I just said, no, it'll be the next guy. Next girl. I think the church loves talking about loving like Jesus. See, some of you in this room, you think loving like Jesus means telling you you're great all the time. Mm -mm. You are great in him, but there's a lot of us left in that. I think the church loves talking about loving like Jesus, but I'm not so sure we want to walk in love like Jesus. Because, again, I've said this many times, and we'll go on to Walking in love like Jesus has a cost because somebody's going to see you touching that untouchable person and someone's going to see you loving that unlovable person and you might cost you money, it might cost you time, it might cost you something. It would mean loving the unseen, it would mean touching the untouchable, it would mean loving the unlovable. And I think, here's the thing, you ready? I think in some sort of weird twist, some of this is the enemy, we have an enemy, you know that, right? Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. We have an enemy. And sometimes the enemy knows, I think church culture is entrenched enough, he's never going to come in and say, don't love people. He's not going to say that because we're going to go, that clearly goes against it. Let me tell you something that I think happens, and, we, and our flesh loves to agree with this, is what tends to happen is, in a weird twist, we tend to use God's love for us, say with me, as an excuse to not love like him. What do I mean by that? It means the excuses. I could help, but God wants me to take care of me. Jesus loves me. Me. I got to take care of me and mine. As though somehow meeting the need of someone else is taking food off your table. What if it was? Is your God big enough to make more bread? Me, me, me. I'm doing the best I can. I give to the church. It's not my fault they don't feed the poor. It's not my fault they don't help those people. I do my part. I'm tired. I'm weary. Jesus loves me. So I don't have to love other people. Because Jesus would never want me to have a cost. That's not love. He wants my bank account here. Come on. Right? I got to have that savings cushion. 
Can't touch it. Doesn't matter, I could feed that person, help that family that maybe they lost their job because COVID's crazy. It doesn't matter. I got to keep my cushion. That's being mature. The principles to financial freedom. They're not bad things until they become excuses to not do good things. I can tell you this, guys. Jesus takes the call for his disciples to love, the call for his disciples to love very seriously. In fact, it's, it's not an option. And some of, some of us, I'll use me, sometimes I say I'm loving the best I can. I think that's fine when I'm talking to you. One of the most powerful things in the world is if I get upset, you're not loving me well. A counselor once told me, he said, Todd, maybe they're loving you the best they can. And that's so good, right? But that's not an excuse for me to say I'm loving you the best I can. Right? I'm loving you the, the best I can because the standard is not I, it's Jesus. Do you love like him? Do I? No, I don't. Sometimes we think that kind of love is like a suggestion. It's pretty words on the page, right? It's not really possible. It's good advice, but it's not a command. He actually says, I leave you with a new command. Love one another as I have loved you. There's the standard. To Jesus, the expectation for his disciples to love is a kind of love that moves from a word and a thought, from best wishes and from an I'm praying for you walk off to an area of we can help, we will help. Jesus expects us to have a fierce love that moves into situations, not stands outside of it. Particularly, he has a heart for the least of these. I'll define that in a minute because he does the least of these, but I bet you already can think of it. Isn't it funny how that definition changes based on who you are, right? If you're a billionaire, I'm pro- we're all the least of these to him, right? They ain't got no money. But to a starving, right, to, to someone starving, they are the least of these to us who have food on our table. He has a heart for them, and he says, he has a heart for those that the world says are not important. If you have your Bibles, um, turn with me to Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. I know a lot of you use virtual stuff, so I'll give you that. Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew 25, verses 31 to 46. I'm going to give some context. You can keep that up, though. Essentially, it's important for you to understand what Jesus is talking about. Otherwise, this sounds crazy. Context is just explaining the situation. Jesus, at this point, is explaining the kingdom, and then he shifts to these parables, explaining what it's going to be like when he comes back. Did you know he's coming back? It says that. He's not dead. He's not a ghost. He's coming back. But he's not coming back like a lamb anymore. He's coming back like a lion and a king, and he comes to judge. And so in the midst of all this, we get a lot of weird parables. We get parables of some virgins, right, and what's happening there. We get parables of talents, and the master's coming, and he keeps doing this. Then he hits us with this, and he says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, who do you think the Son of Man is? Jesus, yeah. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory. That's the King. All the nations will be gathered before Him and He will separate them one from another just as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on His right and the goats on His left. Then the King will say to those on His right, Come, you who are blessed by My Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. It's very specific. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. 
Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or without clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? That's a good question. And the king will answer them. Who's the king? He does this. It's Jesus. It's a parable, but he said the son of man will come. So he's the king. He's talking to himself. The king will answer them. I assure you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on the left, depart from me, you who are cursed. I'm going to say that again. You who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you didn't take me in. I was naked and you didn't clothe me. Sick and in prison and you didn't care of me. Then the, they too will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or without clothes or sick or in prison and not help you? Then he will answer them, I assure you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me either. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. I feel like I could just walk off right now and let you just sit in that, right? It doesn't really need my words. The first time as a Christian I ever really looked at this section deeply, there's a song by Seventh-day Slumber called Matthew 25 is what it's called. And I remember listening to the song first. I was a new believer. I read the New Testament. I didn't go to church. I just read the New Testament. But I was like, oh, that's cool. Let me go read that. The song packed me, and I was like, whoa, whoa. That's powerful. That's scary. I don't want to be a goat, Right? So he's sitting there. Picture this. By the way, people forget this. Do you guys know who Jesus was talking to? Oftentimes we think our minds do this naturally. It's us, the church, talking to all the unbelievers in the world. But he was talking to people that were following him. Because you know that when people first started following, there's thousands, 3,000, 5,000. People followed him. And as time gone on, you see, everybody loves love. People don't love truth. And there comes a point when Jesus says, yes, I love you, but here's the truth. So here's some truth he was giving to people. And I believe fully that some left. We know that, right? People start getting aggressive. Well, who are you talking about here? <laughs> who are you to judge me? Hmm, what does that sound like? But Jesus, we'll go through explaining. I already told you, he describes a scene, okay? The scene is judgment. <clears throat> it's a judgment. And as I said, he's talking to people that were following him. So let me use it today and tell you that the reality is, is that he's talking to the church. Partially he is, right? Some, it's not just the unbelievers. He certainly is talking to them. But guess what an unbeliever is that's in his church? It's still an unbeliever. Okay? I can take a, I can take a skunk and call it a cat, but it's still a skunk. It looks cute from far away. You get close, it smells bad. You get what I'm saying? It's the same thing. You could call someone a Christian. You can call yourself one. But eventually, the rubber meets the road, and we find out what you are. And so this becomes even more powerful when you realize that there's a warning here for the church, for those that follow him. He's separating those that follow him, the sheep, and those that don't, the goats. That's like a farmer looking at his field. You know sheep and goats run together sometimes? No, I, I did some research. It's funny. I know a lot about goats now. So apparently, listen, we see in this parable the goats and the sheep are all mixed together. Picture that, a big pen, a bunch of goats, a bunch of sheep. By the way, if I'm looking down from a mountain and I'm looking at the pen and there are white sheep and white goats, what's it look like? It all looks the same. 
It's only when you get closer that you start to see horns. You start to see things different. They start to act differently. All, a goat kind of looks like a sheep until you, get close, until you get close. They have similar characteristics. You ready? Similar size. Similar color. I know there can be different colored ones. Stay with me. Right? They're both used for wool. People, I didn't know that. People use goats, use their fur, right? Here's some differences. I think this is pretty cool. Jesus knew what he's talking about. Sheep are most comfortable within their flock, okay? Sheep are comfortable in their flock, and they tend to run if spooked or approached. They move together. A goat is more independent, intelligent, and more tolerant. Isn't that interesting? Of interaction in general. Yeah, they, don't, they don't have a problem with you. Sheep like to graze on grass. You ready for this? Goats will graze on anything they can get their mouth on. They'll eat anything for sustenance. Right? You've heard the old joke. Remember the, the goats eat cans and stuff, right? That's not good for them. They don't care. I'll eat anything. They sound the same. I didn't know this. Man, it's drumming nuts. A goat and a sheep. A goat and a sheep sound the same. Did you know that? I didn't know that either. Now, you farmers that are going, no, that's not true. I can tell the difference in pitch. I'm not a farmer. So I'm telling you, a goat and a sheep sounds the same. They even sound the same. Ready? We should all love each other. We should love God and love others. We should take care of the poor and the sick. Absolutely. Yes, I will give you what's budgeted for the mission trip, for the mission in Haiti. By the way, that's not bad, but I'm not going to do anything for my neighbor. At no Christian will tell you they don't love people. And that's the thing about what Jesus is doing here. Sheep and goats, they look the same. They sound the same. Regardless, Jesus, the king, he knows the difference between the two. The king can't be fooled. And so the criteria is so interesting, by the way, that he uses to separate the sheep and the goats, the believers from the non-believers. It's so interesting. I think this is fascinating because he could do a lot of things, right? Those of you who serve the most in the church, those of you who are on the worship team, those of you that preach, those of you that give the most money, those of you that criticize the pastors enough and find out, right? <laughs> None of y'all say anything to my face. Anyway, on and on and on, right? Listen, the criteria is none of that. Instead, he says that the sheep, his followers, you ready? He said, come well, before we get that, what does he say? He said, you, let's go look at it. For I was hungry, you gave me some deed. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Listen, how does he know your disciple? When someone's hungry, you fed them. No, he says, when I was. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was a stranger, you still welcomed me. When I was naked, you gave me clothing. When I was sick, you took care of me. And when I was in prison, you visited me. Well, you're not going to hear that at church very often. Go visit the prisoners. We'll go preach to them. Visit them. And what does he say? They said, well, when do we do that? He goes, because every time you did it for Bob, right, a homeless guy, and you did it for that strange nudist, and you gave him clothing, whatever, right? That's a joke. You can laugh. You gave them clothing. He goes, you did it for me. How incredible that the king says you can equate how you really feel about me is shown how you treat those I love. Well, you, don't you mean me? I have the right clothes, the right words. No, no, no. All my children. And then it's beautiful, right? He says, come you who are blessed by my Father. 
And the king will answer them, I assure you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers, you did for me. That's a powerful statement, guys. Jesus is saying to you, how you treat them is how you treat me. You would. That's where we get the picture, you know, the what if Jesus came back again, you know, all those things. That is a powerful thought. What if he is the person that you turn away? What about the goats? Well, first he says, depart from me, you who are cursed. Oof. When God's telling you you're cursed, that's not good. You who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Get away from me. I don't even look at you. What would happen? I was a stranger. You didn't take me in. You didn't give me something to drink. I was hungry. You gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't take me in and welcome me. I was naked. You didn't clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you ready? And you didn't take care of me. Wow, man. Guys, listen. This is a sobering and powerful message. It should shake us. I'm serious. If you're not shaking, you're not taking it serious. How we treated him. These are strong words. What do we do with that? Is our salvation dependent on our actions? Todd, I thought you said, right? Once saved, always saved. Don't that what you believe? I do believe that. True believers, but you ready? I don't know who true believers are. Only God does. So how do we know? How does he know? It's not the words. No. Listen, in this story, the compassion shown by the sheep is evidence of their salvation. I'll say it again. It's not what saved them. Sheep act like sheep. Christians love like Christ. Jesus is saying, I know if you're my follower by how you act when I'm not there. Ooh, that gets me. I know how you, if you're my follower by how you treat people when there's no one to impress. It's evidence of our salvation. It's the proof. He says it over and over again. By the way, it fits with the rest of the Gospels. He says to Christians, believers, he says, they will know you by your love for one another. Take care of the poor. He, that, you know, he goes so specific, even Paul talks about this, so specific that, hey, he had to tell people, quit taking the poor people and putting them at the terrible spots in the table and putting the rich at the front. Stop doing that. That's not how God works. We do it today. It's not that this parable is not about doing works to be saved. It's about taking a look at your heart and understanding, have you been transformed, and do you show a transforming, radical, fierce love? Do you? I can't answer that for you. I'll confess to you that I don't always. Now, that doesn't mean God's not with me or for me, but it's he's for me, right? He is for me. And we're not talking about times we fail, but do you even notice or have you become so hardened? And that's why everyone says, you know, Todd, why are you grumpy? I'm not grumpy. <laughs> well, sometimes. I just love the church. And I want the church to be what the church is supposed to be. And when I see Jesus tell us, and like, it's inspiring, right? Because, guys, I'll tell you something. I've been the unseen. In my life, I'm going to tell you this right now, I've been the unseen before. I've been on the top of the mountain. I've been, at the, 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 I've been the top dog, right, in my circle. And I've been the, the trash heap in the corner. And I realized very quickly who really loves. This parable tells us that pretty words are useless if they don't lead to an action that shows the belief in those words. Your words have to lead to action. They have to lead to some movement. 
I can say I love someone. Oh, I love that guy who's on fire. I hope someone puts him out. Walk away, right? That's not love. That sounds insane. No, loving them is, I'm going to put the fire out, right? Nobody in their right mind, unless you're crazy and evil in here, I hope none of it's you, would not put that person out, would not help them. Pretty words are useless if they don't lead to an action that shows and displays the belief in those words. Listen, goats looked apart from far away, but they are selfish. Goats. Guys, I want to warn you what happens, you know, and, and I'm not trying to scare any of you in your salvation because sometimes the enemy will mess with us, make us think we're goats, make us start acting like goats when we're sheep. You got you to gotta understand something. Some of you have been so, you are so blinded, truthfully, and I've been there. You are so blinded to, to the reality that's happened because sometimes popular culture has made you feel like it's okay to be that way. It's the same reason. Unrelated to any of this, you'll find out next week you start a new series. You should come. It's really going to make people mad. Anyway, the, the point of it is this. This, so many times, like, it's exactly why popu- the most popular churches in the world are the ones that tell everybody they're great all the time. Right? And the ones that speak truth, and there's people that are hateful for no reason, right? That's truth and love. But my point is, sometimes when you tell truth, people don't want to hear that. But when the king comes back, all that's going to matter is truth, because if you believe the truth, then you get to have his love, right? You displayed his love. We're too preoccupied, too busy. Some of you, you do, I, I don't know how to shake you out of it. Some of us need, I don't know, it's like God take us, throw us in ancient Jerusalem, really follow him and see what it's like, what it's really like. We're too busy, we're too important, we got important things to do. And that's true. That's not taken away from the fact we got you got you got to live, you got to eat, you got to function, you got to take care of your family, all those things. But isn't it funny we naturally think they collide, that they oppose each other? They may say the right things, goats say the right things, but their actions show a weak love, a dead love that doesn't move. That's what I mean by a dead love. It doesn't move. It doesn't take an action. It's just pretty words. It's what they should say what we should say. Jesus, really what it boils down to, and I think I love this. You're saying, okay, well, Todd, I, you know, I love some people well, and that's why, listen, everything God says, everything Jesus said has a purpose. It's not just, there's a very important reason why he says how you treated the least of these because it's the most unselfish love. It's the agape love. It's the God-like love because it's a love that doesn't benefit you. You don't get anything out of it from loving if I'm really nice to the rich guy, maybe he'll be nice to me back, right? We think that. And before you say we do, we do. We, we all do it. If I suck up to the boss, maybe I'll get the raise. How do I treat the janitor? How do we treat the least of these? When I was at, I worked at a bank, um, climbed the corporate ladder. All right, got to, I got to management, <laughs> toot my horn pride. Anyway, uh, I did, and when I was there, you want to know something that bothered me so much? This is truth, and I, I don't know about every bank, but the bank I worked at, doesn't matter who they are. <laughs> um, when, you, when I would open your account, if you came in, I type your number, you type your number in, blah, 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 blah. Guess what? Some people, I remember asking this, I noticed something blinking on the, on the screen, blinking. I got, it gets your attention because everything's boring on the screen. It's blinking, and it says, you ready? V-I-P. 
You ready? You know what the VIPs were? They had a certain number in the bank account. I promise you this is true. Certain number in the bank account, or they were uh, on the board of directors, which, by the way, usually coincided. They were the president's VIP. As though, let me tell you why that bothered me so much. And they, they told us this in training. When you see this, you got to be extra on. you got to be super friendly and nice, and et cetera, et cetera. And I'm going, I don't have a problem with that. That's fine. But I'm going, so are you saying it's okay to treat everybody without a VIP like garbage? It's okay if I'm rude to them, make them feel small. But when you walk up, smile, you're important. The screen tells me so. I think we often live our lives as though there's a blinking sign when someone walks up. VIP or nothing. People that are VIPs to me. Right? This person's a VIP. This person's not. That's why we walk by the homeless guy. Well, he's probably going to buy drugs. Can't give him money. He might buy drugs. Or he might go to bed hungry that night. Crazy thing is it's not your call. I think we need to be obedient to the Spirit each time. Don't ever have, you know what, tangible advice. Don't have a hard rule like that. I don't give money to the homeless because they buy drugs. Instead, be obedient to the Spirit. When you meet someone, pray, God, guide me and show me when I should act. Because there probably are times. <laughs> Spirit, stay away from that. But more often than not, if it ever comes to I don't know, err on the side of love and supplying needs. So, that being said, what can we take from this? How, you ready? To have a love that's fierce. I know you love lists. I got your list. How to have a love that's fierce. Or I could have said how to be a sheep. But I feel like if people were watching on the video, they'd be like, what does that mean? How to be a sheep. How to have a love that's fierce. Number one, stop waiting to feel moved to action. So many times we're sitting around going, when God wants me to get up and serve, he'll make me feel like it. That's not true. All right? That's not true. If that were the case, he wouldn't tell us to do the same thing over and over again. Take care of the poor. Take care of the sick. He wouldn't say that. He wouldn't give us his parable. We have to go against our flesh. There's two parts to us, right? Yeah? Two parts to us. The old us that's being transformed slowly and that Holy Spirit inside of us that's like God. And they, they're colliding sometimes and we have to choose to feed, right? We have to live out of that new side. We have to choose to act. Stop waiting to feel like it. You're always going to be tired, busy, or stressed. If you wait till a time when you're none of those, you'll never do anything. Stop waiting to feel moved to action. Just move. Here's the beautiful thing. God doesn't owe us that, but there is a satisfaction when we follow him and love people, right? You feel good. Don't wait. In fact, I would encourage you, some of you should literally do what you don't feel like doing. I don't want to go help that person. Do it anyway. Number two, when you see a need, and this is similar but not the same, when you see a need, don't wait for someone else. Typically, you want to know how your mind lies to you? You walk by, you see that guy, you have 10 bucks, and you go, I'll wait, uh, the next guy can do it. I feel this way every time I drive by someone with a flat tire. Although I know, right? My, then I start lying to myself even more, like if I stop, they're going to think I'm a psychopath, and they're going to try to kill me, or think I'm going to kill them, especially you women. I, you're going to be scared, and you're like, no, I'm fine. You got 911 already dialed up, right? I shouldn't care about that. I should offer. I should stop. I should say, let me help you. When you see it, but I, but I don't, right? I'm like, oh, somebody will get them. What if you were the somebody? Because someone in front of you said the same thing. 
When you see a need, don't wait. If you have, listen, as a believer in Christ, if you have the capability, if you have the capability to meet a need, do it. There's your rule. If somebody comes up to you and they says, I need, I need they says, they say I need five dollars, right? I'm hungry, give them five dollars. Number three, seek out. That's an action word, the least of these. Looks different depending on where you're at, but there's always a least of these among us. And by the way, some of you in this room feel like a least of these. We'll talk in a second, because I felt that way too. But who's the who's the least of these in your life? Sometimes it's the widower, right, who lives by herself that you see literally. I saw this a few weeks ago. He made it back in. I saw an, an old gentleman, I mean, very elderly gentleman, walking out trying to bend down to pick up, shaking with his newspaper, right? And I'll confess things to you. I probably shouldn't. It was across the street, and I kept going, okay, well, he's probably going to be embarrassed if I go over there, right? He's probably going to be embarrassed if I run out right now, or maybe I'll scare him and have a heart attack as I come sprinting out, you know, let me help you. So I, I, I waited, and I was like, well, well, and then he got it, and then I kind of missed my moment. And I knew, if you want to know the honest truth, I didn't obey. Because it wasn't up to me whether or not he responded right. It was me to move. Guys, who are the people that are lonely? Who are the untouchables in your life? Who is the person struggling with depression and, and now they feel bad even talking about it because everyone thinks, oh my gosh, suck it up and get over it. Unless you've been lost in the depths of depression, then it's a whole different thing, isn't it? Maybe, it's the, maybe it is the homeless person. Maybe you work in, you know, we don't see it necessarily around here. It's here, by the way. It is in Whitley County. But maybe it's in Fort Wayne, and you walk by that person every day when you go to work, and you're like, oh, there's homeless Jim, right? You give them nicknames. There's Stinky Pete, whatever it is, and you don't give them anything. You know what you tend to do, by the way? You keep saying, you know what? I'm going to go to the grocery store. I'm going to grab some groceries for them. I'm going to do that tomorrow. And then tomorrow becomes the next day, and the next day becomes the next day. Seek them out. Jesus had this incredible ability, well, he's God, Todd, he's also fully man, to see the least of these. He was never too busy. You've heard us talk about the story. He's walking. He's going to literally heal a sick lady. Uh, you know, a soldier's like, please come heal my daughter. He's on his way there, and a lady who is an untouchable, she's bleeding. She was unclean. She was dirty to the Jewish people. Like a leper. She touched him. He felt it. He turned. He said, who touched me? He touched her. He loved her. He stopped what he was doing to meet her need. Because he's never too busy. We have to start being more obedient to the Spirit and less controlled by schedule. Number four. I like this one, even though it's very mouthy. What does, mouthy, wordy, what does tangible love look like in this moment? When you see someone... Ask yourself this, what does tangible, heavy, weighty, fierce love look like now? What does it actually look like if I love this person in a way that changed their trajectory? Listen, prayer is important. You should always pray for people, but here's something for you. How often when you say that do you stop right what you're doing and pray for them right then and there? Happened yesterday. Can I give you a hug? It was a really cool moment. I said, yeah, give me a hug. This is maybe it's yesterday, Saturday. Yep, I don't know days. It's Sunday. It's church. Anyway, I go there. I'm going to rest her. She's me a hug. And then she, starts, she tells me she has a brain tumor. I'm not kidding. Probably 21 years old. And she was still smiling. I was like, are, are, you, are you worried? She goes, sometimes. I was like, well, are they treating it? Oh, I'm just waiting for the doctor to get back. And I'm, I'm like, is it COVID? Like, oh, I don't know. You know, she just, and I, and I just, I didn't, I'm not bragging to myself. I'm, I just felt that moment. Let's, 
I said, can I, can I pray for you? And she said, yeah, I prayed right there. And then after I was done, she said so genuinely, you guys are awesome. That's it. Because to her, the fact that we gave her the time of day, and I know her family and where she came from, I know sometimes she felt like the least of these her whole life. That's just, maybe it's going from I'll pray for you to can I pray for you. Maybe it is, you see that guy, maybe it is giving $100 you can't really afford it, can you? Yes, you can. You want to know something? Most of you in this room, you're not going to be homeless if you give someone $100. You're not. And those that are, um, there's going to be a day when you probably aren't. You know, I don't know what it is. How can you tangibly meet the need? Uh, and number five, you ready for this? Don't be a goat. <laughs> don't be a goat. Take a bath. I'm just kidding. Listen, don't be... <laughs> Tiffany's like, mm, no, you, uh, don't, don't be a goat. What do I mean by that? If you remember earlier, I told you that the characteristics of a goat in this are selfish, preoccupied, too busy, too important people. Don't be that. Because at the end of the day, the last will be first and the first shall be last. When the king comes back, he's not looking at money or social status or whether you're the president of the PTO, or whatever other social network you're a part of, right? By the way, these things aren't in and of themselves bad, but what do you do? To whom much is given, much is expected. What are you doing with it? The king just sees mine, not mine. Followers, fans. Disciples, fakes. Peter's, Judas's. Go on and on. Because they both messed up, right? You know that, Peter and Judas. One just came back and one got selfish. Don't be a goat. Live, your, live a life. Guys, I'm telling you, listen. What if the entire, what if the church, what if we, what if me, what if for the people in this room, what if we truly lived radical? What if we truly lived like that homeless person was Jesus? How would we treat him? Everything in the Bible, I encourage you to go read it. Jesus is trying to get us to grasp this. Wash their feet. You call me master, and yet I wash your feet. Do this. Whether it's washing feet or not, the point is, don't ever think you're too high to serve the least of these, to get dirty, to do what needs to be done, to love people. She's going to play some music, and I, and, and, and I ask you, I encourage you, I implore you, take this time. And those of us that need to, and I'm with you, I want to be better. Let's repent and let's follow God. Let's, who are they right now in your mind? Maybe it's you and God talking about that person right now as I've talked today that says that's your person. You're supposed to move. Do it this week. What's the state of your love and compassion for other people? Even in the last week. It's a good barometer. And some of you are awesome. And you know what? Your father says, is going to say, hey, come to me. You who are blessed, you're pleasing him. You're making him proud. Good job, for real. Some of you inspire me with the way you live your life. Where's the state of your love and compassion? There's a direct correlation between that, your love and compassion, and your faith. There's a correlation between that and whether you're really following Jesus. And I'm not implying, if you haven't been doing it lately, that you're not a disciple, that you aren't saved. But I am implying, maybe sometimes, even when we're sheep, we kind of get lost on the road. And we kind of stick around the goats because they sort of direct where to go. And maybe we just got to turn back and look at Jesus and start following him a little more closely. Right? Maybe it's a recalibration. You like that, Greg? Engineering. 
Just calibrate. <laughs> calibrate. There's a direct correlation between that and your faith. Do you show love to the least of these, or do you, see, do you group people by how important they are and how useful they are to you? Jesus sees it, and he sees them, and Jesus loves them. Jesus expects us, his disciples, his church, to love them just the same. To see the unseen, to touch the untouchable, and to love the unlovable. Maybe you feel like, I told you I talked to you earlier, some of you are so hurt, you're fighting back, you're maybe fighting back tears. You know, I used to think pastors were weird when they do that, and then the spirit starts moving, and you realize it really happens. Some of you in this room feel like the least of these. You feel unseen. You feel not good enough. And you feel like God just doesn't want you anymore, right? Because you're untouchable. And maybe, you know, maybe you are sick. And sometimes, isn't that funny? People, when you're sick, it, you know, you get well wishes at first, and then they sort of forget about the journey you're on, don't they? You're still on that journey every day. You wake up every day having to face that. You can feel alone, and you can feel forgotten, and you can feel like you're invisible, and Jesus just doesn't see you, but it isn't true. Jesus loves you right where you're at. He doesn't call you a least of these. He calls you beloved. He calls you son or daughter. That's reality. Maybe you feel like a least of you. That's a lie. God sees you and he loves you no matter what. Listen, no matter how the world may treat you at times, no matter how the world measure, says you don't measure up in the ways they say matter, you don't have enough zeros in that bank account. You don't have a blinking VIP, right? You don't have the name. I don't care what it is. It doesn't matter to him because to Jesus, you matter and he loves you. And the rest, this, your life, okay, your entire life, you may have thought that Jesus felt the way for you that Christians treat you. And some of you haven't been treated real well by him. But it's not true. Give them grace because they're still learning. I'm still learning, but I can tell you this much. Jesus loves you. Here's the good news of the gospel. You deserve to know it. Every single person, whether rich or poor, sick or healthy, or in between, is separated from God in and of themselves. Why? Because we've disobeyed him. And when we disobeyed him, he said because he is good and holy and perfect, he cannot be in relationship with something that is not good and holy and perfect, right? Todd, what do you mean? Pure white snowball, mud ball, touch them together. The snowball is not white anymore, is it? He cannot be with it. He's not going to get dirty. Or will he? So thousands of years of human existence have been what it shows us, right? This disease we have. And that's where all these things come. Hate and selfishness and greed and all of that. Those are symptoms of sin. So here's the thing. Just like if you have a cold and you take a, a, a cough drop, that'll stop the cough, but you're still sick. you got to have someone that can transform you from the inside out. Money won't do it. Good works won't do it. That's just dealing with the symptoms. You have to be changed. You have to be made white, pure, holy, because you are guilty right now. And the Bible, you don't have to like it, but the Bible says that the penalty, right, the wages of sin is death. That's bad news. Here's the good news. God didn't leave us there. Jesus Christ, God made man, came down, told us how to live, showed us what God's really like because we tend to forget and then he did something incredible. He paid your wage. He took, your, he took death so you don't have to on the cross. Jesus existed, guys. He's not a symbol, okay? He's not, he's not uh, a ghost. He lived and breathed. And he said that he was the son of God. He was God-made man. And on the cross, he died. 
and you took your sin, all those bad things. It doesn't matter if they say you got to clean up. Well, you're addicted. Well, maybe I can come to God when I get rid of my addictions. Nope. Maybe I can come to God when I clean up my act. Nope. He takes you right where you're at, and he says, if you will put your faith in me, if you will believe in me, then I will make you clean, and I will pay your debt. And so Jesus died on that cross, but he was raised after three days. And it's something incredible. The Bible says this. They'll never tell you that. You know what it doesn't say clean up your act first? It says this. If you confess with your lips, it means say it, and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, you will be saved. I get it. I was out there. I didn't grow up in the church. You're in this room today and you don't know Jesus. There's going to be people up here and it's going to feel weird. But at least I'm not tricking you like I was tricked. Okay? They asked me if I want Jesus. I raised my hand, and then they made me go in the back into a cult room. I'm just kidding. They, but that's right. There's going to be people up here, and they're ready to pray for you today. You can walk out today being clean forever. Don't leave here the same as you came in, because if you do, you're choosing to.